This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You are listening to The Scoop Inside Carolina's premier football recruiting podcast brought to you by Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Right, welcome into the scoop. I'm your host Ross Martin. As always, joined by John, Don Donny Scoops Callahan. This is a scoop podcast brought to you by Johnny T-shirt and JohnnyT-shirt.com. What's going on, Don? Not too much. Life is pretty pretty simple right now. Just doing a couple of high school high school practices, starting up with uh, spring practice, doing a couple of that, couple of those things. Normal stuff around the house. Uh, my daughter finally finished her lacrosse season, so not much of that stuff going on. And just, uh, I mean, really, it's kind of the quiet before the storm because we're in May. Mm-hmm. Before you know, it's going to be June, and June is a crazy month in recruiting. So, yeah, I'm kind of enjoy- enjoying this. What's uh, what's up with Ross? Well, I was going to ask you, when is your life not simple? I feel like you live probably kind of an easy living life. June, other, is pretty- other, other than the changes in the calendar, June is pretty crazy. Because it's, yeah, I mean, last year it was really crazy because it was the first time recruits can make visits. So everybody was visiting every single day and there's tons of visits and there is a lot of um, unplanned visits that happened and all that. Um, so I'm hoping that this is a little bit more structured so we kind of have a better idea. But um, I expect June to be pretty crazy because it seems like everybody's going to use June to, to kind of finalize or help them finalize their decisions and then make a commitment sometime later on in the summer. How many camps are they having in June? Um, I don't know. It's not the full 10. Okay. I, I think it actually might be like half of that. They're allowed 10. Yeah, they're allowed 10. Okay. And Mac Brown has uh, really, I think other than maybe his first summer hasn't used all 10. Okay. So, which is, which is nice. Okay. Let's go through the schedule here. Um, we are going so we're recording Wednesday morning as we usually try to do, and on Tuesday UNC got a commitment. This is kind of the news, and it's kind of nice because it's right before our podcast recording a commitment. Pulling up his profile here, clicking on different tabs from Nolan McConnell, a six foot six, two hundred eighty pound offensive tackle from Stafford, Virginia. He's a high three star. 432 in the nation, 32 offensive tackle, and number seven, seven player in Virginia. Um, so we're going to talk about that, all about that. So that's coming up next. We're then going to get into uh, just a basic kind of run through of what's going on with, with UNC right now and recruiting with the 2023 class in terms of coaches' visits. Quick kind of just kind of a check-in on the calendar. Um, Don's going to talk about his last two weekly scoops, if there's anything worth talking about there. And then we have a very special interview with Alex White, UNC's director of on-campus recruiting. Now, if you listen to our last episode, um, we had an interview with Patrick Suttis. I think I pronounced his name wrong on the, that podcast. 
we recorded Alex White right after that, and we're releasing it um, today or, or when you listen to this uh, about two weeks later. And then we're going to get to kind of some non-recruiting stuff uh, related, transfer portal, been some drama around the country, kind of a national perspective on the transfer portal as it relates to college football. And then we'll look back at the NFL draft because um, UNC had four players selected. Is that right? Four? Yeah, I think four. Um, and that'll be it. All right, Don, how do you feel about that schedule? I feel great. Yeah. We finally have a – I feel good. I feel it's a good mix of, of topics related to UNC football recruiting and, and otherwise. All right, let's get into it. So, as I mentioned, UNC uh, yesterday afternoon landed commitment. I was actually in the dentist chair when it happened, Don. Oh, no. Yeah. Did you Just know that? regular cleaning? Yeah, regular cleaning. I actually had a – I mean, I had a uh, chipped tooth mm. that, they, that they fixed and then other okay. than that, normal stuff. Uh, did, they n- did they numb you? No, it was like very small. So I had never had to do so, before. During uh during the whole COVID stuff, I had I had a lot of, and I think you knew a little bit about this, a lot of mm-hmm. um, oral surgery where uh, I absolutely hate that needle that they use to numb you. I know it's it's necessary, but I have grown a tremendous hatred for it. So anyway, okay, well, dental insight there. Uh, yeah, nothing big. So yeah, did you know this was coming? Um, it was definitely trending in this direction. Okay. And I, I don't think it was coming now, but I mean, I, I definitely kind of, it started to kind of seem like it was trending in that direction. Okay. So Nolan McConnell, Nolan McConnell from Virginia, let's get into it, Don. Lay out kind of what happened for him over the last year or so for him to commit to Carolina. Yeah. So in hindsight, you look back and it, it seemed pretty obvious that, that this kid was looking for, he didn't want to go too far away. He received a bunch of scholarship offers, but if you look at his actual visits, he made a lot of visits, but they were all within a, a decent driving range for him. And, um, and then also there seemed to be a, a high focus on academic schools, which is why UNC and UVA were the two schools that, that were the most likely to land him. Obviously, UNC landed him. So he first came to North Carolina, camped in June, um, did not receive an offer, uh, came back for a game during the season. And then he was actually the first player that Jack Bicknell offered as UNC coach. So Bicknell was, was hired on one day, and then like, I think it was like three days later, he offered uh, McConnell, which is the, the strange thing with that was that McConnell was not, um, uh, yeah, McConnell was not offered or recruited by Louisville. Mm-hmm. So usually when a, when a coach comes over to, a, to another school, they kind of start offering guys that they had previously offered, especially this early process. Anyway, um, almost immediately him, him and his father, Nolan, that is, um, came and, and made a visit to North Carolina. I think it was a couple of weeks later. They, uh, he returned with his mom to let his mom kind of see the campus. And for prior to North Carolina offering, it seemed like just kind of talking to a lot of different people, who had a really good feel for this recruitment that he was on the verge of committing to UVA, which is why you saw a lot of crystal balls for UVA. Just one. Well, I did, no, there was at least two because Doan had one. Maybe they, maybe they were changed. Doan had one and so did Jackie from the UVA site. I just see one only Doan. Okay. Or maybe Jackie got hers. Uh, Jackie was kind of, we can get into Jackie helping us out if we want to later on, but anyway, um, so anyway, so I kept on hearing, well, yeah, he's, I see North Carolina offer, but he keeps on, um, 
you know, we, we're hearing that he's, he's on the verge of committing UVA, but then you see all these visits and the mm-hmm. timing of these visits were, were really kind of interesting. And so he, and then the only school he scheduled an official visit to was North Carolina for the first weekend in June. That's when I kind of thought things would be finalized. Right. And it was, it was interesting to me that he didn't schedule any other official visits. And, um, uh, but, but he had said he was going to. So anyway, um, I know the UNC staff came and visited his school on, I guess it was Tuesday. Obviously UNC cannot speak with him, but they could speak with his coach. Right. And then, um, they visited Tuesday day, and he committed later that day. Yeah. Okay. Um, why do you think he picked UNC over? Have you talked to him or did just Jackie talk to him? I've spoke, I didn't speak to him since Jackie was there and was able to get a video interview and, and talk to him. I haven't spoke to him since he committed, but I did speak to him after his um, two most recent visits. Okay. And so why you do know, you think, why do you think he picked UNC over Virginia? You know, I would assume he just felt more comfortable. I mean, that's what ultimately this kind of comes down to because I mean, if we're just, we're being objective about this, you know, they're both ACC schools. They're both decent driving distances. Maybe UVA is a little bit closer to him than, than UNC. Um, they're both great academic programs. You know, the football programs, I know UNC fans are going to like to hear this, but are kind of sort of similar and just in recent uh, success. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but, you know, a lot of these things come down to when you get on campus, where do you feel most comfortable? What coaches do you feel most comfortable speaking with? And, uh, you know, UNC obviously was was the one, and I don't think it's something like like a longevity sort of thing because obviously UNC changed offensive line coaches, and and then also UVA had a bunch of changes on their staff. Although their offensive line coach remained the same, but um, Coach TJ, which we um, everybody who listens to this knows his knows when his birthday is, um, but um, yeah, so I think it's just a comfort thing. He felt more comfortable at North Carolina and maybe believed a little bit more in, in their pitch on, on what the future brings to the program. Yeah, and a really good offer list. I mean, North Carolina, Arkansas, Boston College, Coastal Carolina, Florida State, Liberty, Michigan State. And who recruits him from Michigan State? Uh, Coach Chris Kapilovic. There you go. A good friend, Coach Cap. NC State, Nebraska, Penn State, Pittsburgh, Rutgers, Syracuse, Virginia, Wake Forest. So kind of the level – you know, that, that kind of mid to high level of, of, of programs in college football, not the elites, but, but um, a, a bunch of, of power five schools there. Okay. Do you expect him to play tackle as, so, of, now, as of right now? I guess I would, I would say yes. Um, I, I know he camped in North Carolina and, and I, I know I saw him. I just can't remember him. If that sounds strange. You know, I mean, you know how it is. You go to these camps, you're, you're, you're trying to look at, you have probably like two dozen guys you're trying to focus on and you're trying to look at any guys, any other guys sticking out. So I don't remember him too much from the camp, but I do have notes on him. Um, yeah. I mean, from his film, I, I, it looks like he could play tackle, but I would like to see him in person before I kind of say if he's a tackle guard. And really when it comes down to it, I mean, how many guys do we see? We're like, okay, they're a tackle. They come to, they get into college and they end up moving to guard or, or center or whatever. I mean, that happens all the time. Sounds good. Okay. Noel McConnell commits to UNC. Uh, the second commitment in UNC's 2023 class, a little earlier than we expected. I mean, in the last podcast, we were kind of projecting the first commitment, the second, the next commitment to be in June. Um, and then speaking with you know, coach Brown and uh, you know, Patrick Suttis, June is kind of when things start happening, but a little earlier here on May 
2nd, or May 3rd, yeah, today's May 4th, Star Wars Day. Um, you Are get you celebrating? Se- no. I mean... Are you a Star Wars guy? Not anymore. I actually grew up, I collected the original figures from the original films how about that do you still have them because they're worth a lot of money they're in my parents uh attic i probably have 300 figures you need to go get them and put them like make sure that they're safe and i have a bunch of the vehicles like the the ships million falcon x x you have them in still their original packaging no i played with them i played with them um you know when i was last night right yeah, that's right. In preparation sat, for today, sat in my in my living room by myself and play lights <laughs> lightsaber wars with Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader. Oh my, this is sounding uh, uh, X rated. <laughs> what? Uh, but yeah, that's actually a fun fact about me. I used to collect Star Wars figures, and I've thought about selling them. I don't know how much they'd really go for. I mean, some maybe twenty bucks a piece, but I have a bunch, so I've always wondered. All right, I think you can make a good amount of money. Yeah, not like, I mean, you're not going to be able to retire from inside Carolina, but it would be a good amount of money to do something fun with. Yeah, that's right. Okay, cool. Nolan McConnell commits to UNC from Stafford, Virginia. Do you know where Stafford, Virginia is, Don? Yes, I have been there. You might need to take um, a trip up there soon. It's, all, it's on the way to uh, D.C. Um, is it not in the mountains? Is it more northern Virginia? I, I'm pretty sure it's... Uh, okay. I believe you. Well, I could be wrong. But um, UNC signed a defensive uh, back, Tim Scott. Wasn't he from? Before my time of of covering recruiting. I'm looking up right now. Internet's really slow. Looking up right now. This is bad radio. Yeah, so yeah, it is. It is um, on the way to DC. So it's not. It's it's just. It's between Fredericksburg and and DC. Anyone who travels at 95. Well, that's a tough area. Yeah, knows that. Yeah, well, just above that. The, well, I guess right, right there. Traffic is a a beep. Yeah, yeah. So on ninety five, uh, you know, past Richmond, past Fredericksburg. All right, moving on. Good stuff, as they say. Okay, so Don, right now, UNC coaches are out on the road. Can you kind of give us an insight into kind of what's going on now in the recruitment schedule and the recruiting calendar schedule? Yeah. So I feel like this. I don't want to say it's a formality. I think it's a little bit more than that. But, um, you know, I know a lot of people want to know well, where the coaches are. But for, for the most part, by the end of this period, the coaches are, will have visited all of the in-state schools, regardless if they have recruits or not. And then all of their top targets will receive at least two visits from the staff. And that's each, high, each staff can only visit a high school twice during this period and only once during, it, during the week. Um, and Wait, say that part um, again, each staff member, no, or, each or staff, each, 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 each college. Yeah. Each college can only visit each yep, high school yep, yep. twice during this period. So you, you typically, you know, um, depends on the situation on who you actually send. It might be the same coach or it might be, maybe you have the, the air recruiter, go to an air, go to a school just to kind of gather academic stuff. And then you have the offensive line coach go a week later to watch them work out. And, um, I just, it's one of those things, and, and I'm sure you've done this in the past, where it's gathering exactly where the coaches are going is it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort, and y- you can you can work on it, and then it changes, and it's all wrong and all that. So I don't spend a whole lot of time on that too much uh, because I, I, you guys, I mean, because like I said, I mean, the top target is going to receive two visits, and, and the timing of it, people want to look into the timing, and the timing of it really 
it, the, the timing is more about what that school's workout schedule is, or if it's a kid who plays whatever, runs track or plays baseball, then they want to go during one of their events and watch them, you know, participate in that event. That dictates when when they visit what school and who and all that sort of stuff. So, um, so that's what we're in right now. Um, you'll see you'll, you, more than anything else. You'll probably see a lot more um, 2024 offers go out. Maybe okay. a couple of 2023s. A lot of camp invites will be extended, um, but that's what we're really dealing with now. It's not really like a a time period. It used to be big. But it's yeah. not really a time period where a lot of things really happen recruiting-wise. Like stuff they, with, with, with Nolan yesterday is not common. You said they visit every school in North Carolina? That's Max Brown's plan. Fedora had the same thing. Do, it seems impossible. Well, I mean, if you, you're, you have 10 assistant coaches. So, I yeah. mean, if you really wanted to do it, you could. But uh, I mean, do I think it actually happens? You know. There's no way. Because think about all the schools out on the coast and in the mountains, like, you know, in the mountains, there's, you know, one or two schools per county and you're driving, you know, it takes, it might take an hour or two to get between schools. An yeah. Hour. And then, I mean, it's tough. And then the Guilford County has 15 high schools. Mecklenburg County well, probably ha has having, 20. You know, I go to schools a lot. Uh, yeah. I'll tell you like Guilford County and Charlotte. I mean, I can knock out and I, I can knock out like, like six if, if I try it, yeah. um, not to bring up Michael Clark, but he, he does like eight sometimes if he's going to like charlotte <laughs> so true. it can be done now yes when you're going like eastern north carolina or out into the mountains yeah i mean i i only plan i do at most three schools i try to stick to two just because timing and all that sort of stuff okay uh good stuff so that's what's going on now with the calendar for the next two weeks okay your weekly scoops just a quick kind of overview um to get you know people to interested in, in what's going on um what'd you do last week on your weekly scoop if you want to promote it for a little bit last week i caught up with or i tried to catch up with all of the signees there was mm -hmm. two i wasn't able to catch up with tayshawn chapman and tyon holloway uh, but i caught up with everybody else just kind of laid out what, what's been going on with them what's their workout look like any sort of weight changes do they know their jersey number just basic stuff like that. Um, what would they've been told as far as playing time and the game plan for them once they get on campus, that sort of thing. So it's an interesting piece just to kind of see what what um, what they've been up to because I feel like we kind of forget about those guys. Yeah, and in that group, um, you have Amarion Hampton and Andre Green. I think those two guys will be could be counted on to play some um, in 2022. Those are the two that I'm kind of eyeing as, as maybe potential breakout players as freshmen. Especially, I mean, wide receiver, they need help. And, and Marion Hampton's just stud. So definitely check that out. The weekly scoop, Don goes through all the different players with a lot of info on each one. Okay, and the weekly scoop for Inside Count subscribers from this week. Yeah, this week is, is kind of almost like, um, it's like my notebook in a way. Like, I always feel like it's, it's good to kind of lay out where the recruits have been this offseason um, if they visit North Carolina, when, how many times, and then what official visits they have scheduled so far. And I feel like, you know, we could talk to sources, we could talk to high school coaches, we could talk to all that sort of stuff. And that's great. And that's informative, but I mean, these are hard facts. And if a kid is going to make a visit to a school, it says something. And I think kind of laying that out and looking at it from a position standpoint, you can kind of get a feel for things and learn different things 
um, you know, what, what's going on at each position. And so because um, it's a lot of information, we, we cut it in half. We're doing offense. We did offense this week. We'll do, uh, we'll do defense next week. Okay. Did you have um, Nolan McConnell on your mock class? I did. I did. You did? I did, yeah. Good job. Yeah. Another win for the Donster. <laughs> Add it to the list. Okay. Good stuff. Um, let's do a quick ad read and then we'll go to our interview with Alex White. Uh, the Scoop and all of Inside Carolina podcasts are brought to you by Johnny T shirt and Johnny T shirt.com. Your one stop shop for all your UNC apparel needs t shirts, jerseys, sweatshirts, hats, things for the house, the home, the office, everything you need related to UNC. On um, right on right off campus on Franklin Street, Johnny T-shirt and online JohnnyT-shirt.com. A lot more stuff online. They have great customer service, very personal. A very you know it's a small local business, um, and their headquarters you know, right down in Hillsborough is where their um, warehouse is. So Johnny T-shirt and JohnnyT-shirt.com. When you support them, uh, it helps us and keeps this podcast and all the great content we do rolling. And all Inside Carolina subscribers can get ten percent off their order with the discount code found on the tar pit and UNC basketball message boards. Hopefully I think we got a lot of new subscribers after that 60% off promo. We ran a lot of promos coming up and the ready ran. So welcome to any new listeners. Remember to rate and review this podcast. You know, we probably, I don't know how many new listeners we get over um, the course of, of months and years, but I, I, we do need to kind of welcome them in and, and um, thank them for listening to us. So a giant t-shirt giantteacher.com and remember to rate and review this podcast. We'll be right back with the Alex White interview, UNC's on-campus director of recruiting. And we'll be right back um, after that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And welcome back to the Scoop Inside Carolina's number one football recruiting podcast. I'm your host, Ross Martin, with Don Callahan, as always. And we are joined by a very special guest. We have UNC's director of recruiting, uh, Alex White, who is a UNC alum and has been with UNC in a lot of different capacities. Um, What's going on, Alex? Hi, how are you guys? Thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. so, Alex, we want to have you on because you've been with UNC for a while, but uh, your current role uh, is director of recruiting. And I know you do a lot with like on-campus recruiting visits, things like that. So I wanted to give you the floor to kind of explain to our listeners what you do for UNC. Yeah. So um, as director of recruiting, I basically, whenever a recruit steps on campus, 
that is part of my domain. So we have a, a large on-campus staff and we're really lucky to have that. And so we kind of split it up in different capacities. So um, I oversee all of our big recruiting events. So whether that's a game day or a junior day, um, taking recruits to a basketball game, things like that. And then I also handle a lot of our strategic communication plans. So um, coordinating with our creative content team to come up with graphics to send to recruits or planning out you know, our 12-month content calendar um, and capturing things we need throughout the year. So this week, for example, we're going ahead and start on some video content that we probably won't really need or send out until August. But the summer's kind of busy. There's a lot of stuff going on. So trying to capture that when we have time. And then a huge part of it is relationships. So maintaining relationships, not only with recruits and their families, but with people around campus and in Chapel Hill that can help us out. So whether it's local restaurants that we use a lot or maybe local vendors that we use for recruiting events. And then people on campus, like professors at the business school, professors in the journalism school, people over at the athletic department or in the ticket office or compliance. So it's a huge relationship piece of it as well. So we, we, we just, uh, we, last episode, we talked to uh, Pat Suds, who's the general manager, and he talked about that marketing aspect, what I think is like the videos and the graphics and all that stuff. How much uh, synergy is that with, with you and your role in devising a strategy for each recruit? How much, yeah. like how much do you work with Pat with that closely? Is that kind of where you step in? Yeah, Pat and I work together on that pretty much every day. So we're having conversations all the time um, to see what our kids are up to. If somebody had an injury, making sure that we're sending them a get well soon graphic, or if they have a, a big game coming up, even if it's baseball or basketball, making sure that we're sending them a good luck. And so a lot of that is, is being uh, very proactive about it and knowing these recruits well enough to know what they have going on or what their interests are, uh, as opposed to the kind of reactive side of it. And it's like, oh man, recruit A got this dope graphic from this school, you know, we need to play catch up. So we try and really be on the proactive end of that. Um, and so we have a 12 month calendar that has every single graphic and every single video that we want to send out. Um, and so, you know, sometimes that works great. Sometimes it doesn't, you know, there might be some things that pop up last minute, but we really try and make sure that everything we know is going to come up in the year, we can work in advance on that. So that way, when those random one-off things do happen, our graphic team isn't overloaded. They've got time to focus on that ASAP need because they've already done the other things we need for that week ahead of time. Great. Yeah. I think we're going to get into some more questions about your on-campus side, but before that, Don has a kind of a question to kind of build into that part of the interview. Don? Yeah. So <laughs> this is kind of like a personal neat sort of thing is that I've kind of watched you kind of climb the ladder basically yes. because I've seen you started as, well, I'll just tell you, I mean, just, you know, how'd you kind of start with this? What yeah. was kind of the process that you kind of worked up the ladder to basically, you know, come to the top basically? So it's actually really funny. Um, you know, you get your Facebook memories, your notification every morning, right? Yeah. So this morning, I got a notification that six years ago, um, when I was a senior in high school, I had been accepted into the student office oh, wow. program at Carolina. Um, anniversary. I know. I know. Six years. I'm like, what? Six year anniversary. Um, but so I grew up a huge football fan. Um, and I, I don't think that I realized that I could potentially turn that a career until um, once I got here, but in high school, I loved football um, and really my whole childhood. And so when I got accepted to Carolina, um, my, you know, my senior spring of high school, I said, you know what, I will do anything I can for UNC football. Like I will mop the floors. Like I will, I will get involved there. 
And so I started out as a student office assistant. It's our student program. They're called SOAs. Um, and that was great. I worked some camps over the summer. I remember my first day, it was uh, Fedora's Freak Show. That was the first event I ever worked. I graduated high school like five days before. And I remember walking in and seeing these players and being like, oh my gosh, like I was, I just couldn't contain myself. Um, so it's kind of a full circle moment today, but um, started, you know, stuffing envelopes for a couple hours a week. My first boss um, was actually Gunnar Brewer. And so I think Brewer. <laughs> we um, know Brewer. Yeah. And so if you can like work, right. And you have like a heartbeat, Gunnar Brewer will take you under his ring. Um, and so that's he will find I, something for you to do. Yeah. He's demanding. Uh, he's demanding. Uh, yes. But in like the best way. I mean, I love yeah. Brew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I started working for him and that was when Annie Hansen was still here. So really worked my way up and um, became an admissions ambassador. So that, gave me the opportunity to tour our prospects. That's an NCAA rule that you um, gotta be, you know, certified by the admissions office. It's kind of complicated, but so I did that and really worked my way up throughout the Fedora era and um, started developing really great relationships with recruits and our coaching staff. And then when the coaching change happened, um, it was, you know, middle of my junior year. So I'd been here for three years and had, you know, really established myself in our recruiting department in with our prospects. And so during that transition, I was able to kind of serve as a point piece for some of the new staff. And I think that that really solidified my role um, because at first, you know, I'm this 20 year old girl, you know, I don't know if Mac Brown, this hall of fame national championship winning coach is gonna want the 20 year old student intern around. And he just took me in and him and Sally took me in with the, the biggest arms and were so welcoming to me. So um, I worked with them you know, for the next year I graduated, went to App State and loved my time in Boone. It was short, COVID hit. So then I went to Virginia Tech um, and it was actually Miss Sally that called me and said, you know, I think, I think you need to come back to Chapel Hill. And <laughs> I mean, I, of course, you know, this is home for me. So I originally came back um, to serve as Coach Brown's kind of executive assistant and handled a lot of his recruiting. And then when we had some turnover in the recruiting department, um, about a year ago, I slid into this role as director of recruiting. So what was your, I guess, major, your, your planned major when you were in high school for, for college? And, and did, did that change at all once you kind of realized that you could do some things in the football field? Yeah, so it's crazy. My whole life, I wanted to be a doctor. I mean, okay. I, I went to summer camps every summer. Um, I did an internship or kind of a shadowing program up at Johns Hopkins in high school. I did an internship at my local emergency room and I, I wanted to be director of sports medicine for a football team or maybe an orthopedic surgeon and something in sports. Um, and then I was kind of rethinking that going into college to begin with. And, you know, just, I think being a doctor is something that, you know, people just, Oh, you know, you're smart. You're going to Carolina, you should be a doctor. And I'm like, Sounds good to me, you know, <laughs> um, perfect. I'll do that. Um, and so then I got here and I remember meeting Annie Hansen and thinking to myself, like I could see myself doing that one day. Um, and so she was kind of my first inspiration into this role. And then the more that I got involved. So I, my, my first couple of years of college, you know, I, I worked here the whole time, but wanted to, to dabble in the marketing department and shadowed them at a couple of baseball games. I was actually an intern for 
the Carolina Hurricanes for a whole season in their public relations department. And so I wanted to try out a couple different things in sports because I really wanted to make sure that I loved the avenue that I was kind of going into. And it just solidified my love and passion for recruiting. Where did you uh, grow up? Where'd you go to high school? So I'm from the Outer Banks in North Carolina. Okay. Um, I went to Manuel High School. Um, Manuel very Hill, small. Manuel Elementary. Oh my gosh. I graduated very, very with small. 107 kids. And it's the same 107 that I started kindergarten with. Yeah. What what town <laughs> what town did you grow up in, Mania? Yep, the town is okay. Mania. Cool, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been to there. Cool. Um, yeah, I was gonna ask about Annie. Um, Annie was great. I remember working with her, you know, and talking with her when she was in town. So I mean you, you kind of touched on my question, but she was um she was at Oklahoma, she went to UNC to Oklahoma to work with um what's the coach's name there, Don? Lincoln Riley. Yeah, yeah, Lincoln Riley. Riley. And then now she's the executive director of recruiting at USC under Coach Rowley. So, wow. I mean, Annie was great. I thought she was like, I thought she was such a special personality and so dynamic and, and seemed like, you know, she really was to control of the job and knew what she's doing. So that was, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure I kind of answered your question there with kind of the influence she had, but I could see how seeing her and what she did could. Um, yeah. Well, I think was, like growing up in football, um, you see the coaches, you see the players, um, you don't really see a lot of the support staff. And this role that I have now, um, Annie was the first person to have that here at Carolina. Growing up, you didn't see women in these roles, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so when I saw her and, I mean, you know, Annie, she's beautiful and she's put together, she's got the best wardrobe. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, perfect. Yeah. Like, there's yeah. a role, there's a place for me in football. And so I think I didn't get to work for Annie for long. Um, cause she left to go to, um, Oklahoma after my freshman year, my freshman year was still kind of when I was trying to figure out exactly what I wanted to do. Um, but I remember that like instant, oh my gosh, like I could, I could do that. And so I think seeing her in that role, like I said earlier, really solidified my thought that, okay, I have a place here. Yeah, she was a big time dresser. You'd be at, you know, you'd be at these camps with all these dudes and all these overweight men, and like Annie Hansen's like super put together and like dressed like a Hollywood star. It was always kind of funny. Um, uh, so I was going to ask you. You touched on going to App State and Virginia Tech, and you were I remember like kind of following it because you know you see on Twitter like you know Alex got this job and that job. You were like boom, boom. What happened? Like, did you like get an apartment? Like, how do you move oh that quickly? And like, it must have been a crazy time. Like, let my dad answer this question for you. This is like <laughs> the worst thing for him. So yeah, you know, I graduated a semester early at Carolina, so I still had an apartment in Chapel Hill when I moved to Boone. Um, I moved to Boone, and oh my gosh, when I moved there, it was like twenty degrees. It snowed four inches. It's blowing sideways. Snow's <laughs> literally like pelting me in my face. My parents are, um, they had had a vacation planned in Florida and they're like, oh, it's a chilly 63 degrees here. And I'm like, well, I'm in Narnia. So I'm really happy for you. Um, so got an apartment in Boone and then the, oppor the opportunity at Virginia Tech just kind of fell in my lap. And how, how quickly was that? Was that like- So I started- let me think. I started it at in January and Virginia Tech, my first day at Virginia Tech was August 31st. Okay. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So I became an expert on subleasing. Um, and <laughs> got my apartment in, and keep in mind, I, I still had to pay rent in Chapel Hill from when I was a student. Which isn't cheap. Not yeah. cheap. Not cheap. <laughs> and so moved to Boone and then 
thank you, sweet Lord, somebody subleased my apartment in Boone and then moved to Blacksburg. And, you know, Blacksburg was hard to find a place because it's such a college town. I moved there right as the semester was starting to like, everything was sold out. I mean, I luckily I got a great spot. I loved my apartment there, but like a little probably more expensive than I originally <laughs> wanted to pay. And then, you know, a couple months later, here I am going back to UNC and my dad, I mean, we became pro Packers, yeah, pro how to box up a kitchen. <laughs> I mean, we had a system that dad would stay behind with the movers. My mom and I would go ahead and we would unpack the kitchen. And then once the movers would get there, like all the little, like my closet was already set up. Um, the kitchen was already set up. And then, so dad kind of instructed them with the big things. So yeah, I mean, this is great. I had four apartments in 11 months. Yeah, that wow. was that was kind of the point. So wh when did you move? When did you leave Blacksburg? So you moved there in August. Wh when did you move to Chapel Hill? Back to Chapel Hill? Uh, January. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I was oh. literally just there for football. I hate moving. So, <laughs> yeah. so this sounds like a nightmare to me right now. Don, you're, you're, gonna, you're gonna be in that house you're in right now until you die, probably. Yeah, probably. Um, my, my dad was like, I'm not moving you again until I'm moving you <laughs> to your husband's house and he can do it. And I'm yeah. like great <laughs> i mean it, it kind of shows you the nature of this business with coaches moving and, and staff members moving all the time and gas and stuff so it's just kind of a crazy example of that well, we um, so when um, i moved here i i got movers and i think it was like a thousand dollars or whatever it was but it was so worth it that's my best advice if you can oh afford gosh. it get movers do not move if you if you don't have to there is no doubt there yeah. is no doubt i i remember the first time Cause you know, when I moved from Chapel Hill, it was my college apartment. Like you yeah. got some stuff, but yeah. you accumulate. But when I, I remember the first time that I moved, that my big move from Boone to Blacksburg, I remember like I had got the job and I had to move there pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was also still finishing out my time at app. So I didn't have a ton of time. I was a little stressed about this big move. It was, you know, during training camp for app, I was going to training camp at, at tech. And I remember thinking that I had to like box the kitchen up and like, being like nauseous about it i'm like this is giving me the worst anxiety like yeah i don't even know where to start yeah <laughs> and then i called my mom quickly don before you answer or you ask your question um what was your role what was your title at app and what was your title at Virginia tech so at app i was um recruiting an operations assistant okay and at virginia tech i was director of on-campus recruiting okay similar to what you're in now i guess Yes. Okay, cool. All right, Don. What's what does not on a not on a big visit day, because we'll get to that, but on a typical like today, besides the fact that you have to be on a podcast with two morons, um, what's what's like your typical <laughs> <highlight my> day? <laughs> what's your typical routine on a typical day? Yeah, so I get in the office and um, I oversee our student program. And so I make sure that I've I've got everything organized for our students coming in throughout the day and you, some girls are, um, you know, they feel more comfortable doing things on the computer and some girls feel more comfortable editing the pictures or whatever it may be, right? So I just look at who's coming that day, look at the to-do list of things that need to get done. And then also if coaches have given me anything, um, just kind of delegate that out. So that kind of takes up my first little bit. Um, and then a huge thing is just rechecking our recruiting board because, you know, that changes every day and making sure that if anybody gets added or if anybody we offered, I'm kind of documenting that correctly on my end. Um, so that's kind of my, my first little bit. And that probably takes an hour or two. And then it's a lot of talking with Pat about 
upcoming graphics or, um, you know, coach Brown might be on the phone with a recruit and he'll call me in there. So it's honestly like one of the things that I love about this job is that every day is so different. Um, and this time of year, people always say, Oh man, like you're in the off season, you know, what are you going to do? And I'm like, work, you know, like yeah. this is not in an off season. Um, and so this time of the year, you know, we can have recruits on campus theoretically every day from March 1st to like the last or the second to last weekend in June, whatever that date is. Like I think it's June 26th, right? So we could have a recruit here all of those days. Um, and, you know, when you get a recruit on campus, that is really when you can make an impression for that family on your school. And so whenever a recruit is here, that takes priority over everything else because you can send them all the graphics and you can, you know, evaluate them. Pat might think differently about the evaluation, but you can evaluate them and um, send them whatever. But if they come on your campus, and they don't have a good time, then I feel like everything else that you've done has been for nothing, Yeah. right? And so a lot of my time is dedicated to that when kids are on campus. And um, I mean, it's it's fun, it's a lot, but it's really fun. You mentioned building relationships with families and recruits and stuff. And you just said that, you know, Coach Brown could call you into your room. Can you talk to, what can you legally do with the yeah. recruit and his family? Is it only on campus or can you talk on the phone and stuff? So I can talk on the phone with them. I can text them as long as they're of recruitable age or, you know, we, we can only text them after September 1st of their junior year. Um, but if a recruit calls me or a parent calls me, then I can answer and I can talk to them. Um, and there's different rules throughout the year because based on the calendar of how many times a week coaches can call and things like that, who can they call? Um, so it's kind of like a really jump. I mean, it's one month this, one month this. And so it can be a lot to keep up yeah. with. Um, but no, I can, um, they can say, Hey, can I call you? And I'm like, yeah, you know, give me five minutes, call me and whatever, call me at this time. Um, and so that's how a lot of the planning gets done. Um, you know, our coaches are so busy and they do a really, really incredible job with the recruiting. And I mean, they're balancing a hundred things. So anything that us as support staff can do to alleviate them, like making sure the mom knows where to park when she gets here yeah. or saying, hey, are you still good for two o'clock? Just those little things um, that I can go to the coach and be like, hey, coach Bignell, I talked to recruits mom and she's confirmed this. And so mm -hmm. it just kind of takes that off their plate. Um, and so I, and it's also really good for them to have more connections with people on our staff. And a huge part of what I do is connect with the moms, you know, the mm -hmm. coaches and the dads all the time will hit it off. But it's nice to have like a female presence. And, um, you know, when the boys are talking football and, you know, some of the moms love it and I love it too. I'll sit in there and listen. And then sometimes the mom will look at me and she's like, do you want to like not sit in here? And I'm like, a hundred percent, you know, let's <laughs> do something else. Um, and so it's really nice that when they step foot on campus, I'm not a stranger. They've already developed a relationship with me, whether it's over one phone call or over four Zooms, whatever it is. Um, and so that way the visit is just a little bit easier. And I, I'm assuming, I mean, any staff member can, can do what you do in terms of talking with recruits, right? Like Pat can, can, yeah. can talk to recruits and parents and families and stuff. And yeah. As, as long as they as long as they call you and as long as Yeah, you. it's the rules it, pretty much the recruit can call whoever they want, you know. Mm. Okay. Um, so that really helps. So if the recruit has a great relationship with X Y or Z, you know, whoever it is, they can make that call. Great. Don, go ahead. Yeah, so I want to do and I kind of alluded to this in my prior question, but like a big recruiting day, like the spring game or 
you know, the Showtime camp or whatever, maybe, or maybe it's just a big official visit weekend. What, what does that look like for you? I imagine you probably get to campus incredibly early and all that, but what does that day kind of look like to you? I imagine yeah. there's a lot, a lot of planning too, yeah. leading up to that too. I don't know how much you want to get yeah. into that. It's so much planning and there's so many little things that sometimes you have to make sure that you think of. And if you don't think of that one little thing, it can like parking, parking, parking yeah. passes, um, mm-hmm. making sure they know where to park. You know, there's yeah. just so many things that go into it. And so, um, basically I, my students do an incredible job. I could not do it without them. Um, and so we had a lot of turnover, you know, we didn't hire new students in COVID. And so last year, um, I, I pretty much had to hire like 20 some new students. Wow. And yeah, I'm like, okay, you know, it's a little intimidating because this, you know, I had managed the student program at App and at Virginia Tech, but um, it was my first time managing it here. And, you know, things are different everywhere you go. Um, and so they, there's kind of like a process to make sure that everyone has credentials and their compliance form and we're, you know, all of that set up and it's in order and that we're getting guest names and well, we can't send them the parking graphic because they're 2024s. We can't communicate with them yet. So, uh, you know, they, they do a really good job of, of doing some of that tedious stuff. Um, so I'll input everything. And then when they come in, they know, okay, let me check what forms have been made, where are we are on credentials. And then they can start doing that, which is really, really great. And then I'll work with our parking services. I'll work with the caterers, our, all of our vendors to make sure that, that everything's good. And then it's also communicating with our coaches. Hey, this is our list. Um, can you see if this one person can come, you know, we're having a hard time getting in touch with this recruit. Can you see who he's planning on bringing? Because the last thing we want to happen is that a top recruit get here and we're not prepared for it. Right. And so we just want to make sure that we're doing as much as we can. So if Zach Rice is coming, that we've got a credential for Mary Rice, you know, or um, things like that. So it's a lot of, communication, you know, around everything. And then one thing that I do too, is for these big recruiting events, I have walkthroughs with our staff. Um, and so people always say, you know, walkthroughs are a huge part of football, right? I mean, that's when you learn and you really visualize the play. Right. And so I'm like, you know, we're going to do the same thing in recruiting. So every single thing, um, we have a walkthrough. Okay. This is how you get to the parking deck. This is where you pick them up. This is where you put the parking sign all right, this is the route you have to take back. You can't, it's a different route because on game days, transportation says you can't Mm -hmm. take this road. So it's a lot of things in advance you have to think of. And then Mm -hmm. I just want to make sure that everybody that's working, whether it's a student or somebody on our recruiting staff or whoever it is, knows exactly what they're supposed to be doing. And so what I do is I put together a manual and it has a big itinerary. um, And then it has an itinerary with like all the details of, who needs to be where, when, and then it's got an assignment sheet. So you can control F your name. Okay. Where am I supposed to be when? And then it's got a page full of what each assignment needs, what you need to make sure you bring. So if your assignment at registration requires you to have a computer, you'll know that if your assignment at registration is going to require you to be outside and you need to bring a coat, you'll know that. And so I try and make sure that everyone has as much information as they can on the front end, because when we have however many kids in, whether it's 30 or 130 for a big game day, we're kind of running all over the place because you never know what recruit walks in or who's going to need something or what coach you're trying to find. You just don't know. And so um, I just, 
my phone can't be ringing from my staff <laughs> the whole time. So I'm like, you know what? I'm giving you as much information as you can. If you really need something, please, please, please call me. But like, I really don't think you're going to need anything. Um, so that's kind of what that, that process looks like. So you mentioned Mary Rice. I got to point out, she's a friend of the show and she's ha- yeah. she has been a guest also. Oh, she is. Oh, I love her. She's great. No, we, it was probably one of our better uh, podcasts. She was, she was awesome. Yes. Yeah, you are yeah. second female guest after Mary Rice. <laughs> We're trying to diversify our guest list. Yeah. I've to, I've done interviews with multiple. I had, I had we had Kelsey Gomes. I had Kelsey Gomes on an interview, and Courtney Banghart, um, probably the most po- pro woman guy in South Carolina. Um, okay, Don, did you, is that, Don, did you get what you needed about on campus? Yeah, stuff? no, that like, was great. I mean, she gave a, a bunch, probably yeah. more than what I expected. So I appreciate that. I de- I definitely learned a lot from all yeah. this, and and I. I kind of observed some of this stuff from afar. So, um, so I definitely learned a lot. Don sees me like running around yeah. outside. They're like, we're pulling up with this recruit. And I'm like, I don't see you. Like, You're really not. And they're like, Alex tried to stop fight. I'm like, okay, well that means you haven't pulled up yet. So I'm out here waiting. So yeah. <laughs> I mean, Don's been doing this forever, man. You, you've, you're part of the, I'm, part I'm of the old. scene, part of the scene at UNC football recruiting. I'm you're old. OG, right? Uh, something like that i've been called lots of names i don't know old g is probably one of the nicer ones (laughs) all right alex we really appreciate your time uh thanks so much for coming on the scoop and um we'll talk to you maybe down the line a little bit yeah thank you guys so much for having me yeah thank you alex yeah bye guys all right welcome back into the scoop hopefully you enjoyed that interview with alex white don right to you Yeah, what, uh, we I talked got a to, comment on the interview. No, I mean, to be to be honest here, we did talk to her uh, two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. So, but I'll tell you what I remember most about it. She has a great personality. She's yes. she's very um, outgoing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if bubbly is the right word, but you know, effervescent. Um, and you can see you have to have that personality for that role. And I thought was what an interesting thing she said is how you know a lot of the coaches and the dads and the players talk, but. As a woman, she's able to kind of relate to the moms, relate to the sisters, the, the grandma, the aunts. And um, that is a different part of the recruiting process that she can kind of uh, utilize being a woman herself. And also, we, I remember we, we talked about this for a while, how she moved. I mean, it kind of gives you a, yeah. glimpse, a glimpse of this business where yeah. she was at UNC. And then she got a promotion to a different position at App, and then she got another promotion to Virginia Tech, and then she was brought back to work under Mac, I think kind of as his kind of personal assistant type role before she got the role she has now. Um, it kind of sh- and that was all within, I think she said, like 16 months. So yeah. it kind of shows you the uh, business. Now, you, you probably interact with her a little bit more just being on campus and around the players at camps. Anything to add about the Alex White interview yeah, so and her as a person? In a lot of situations – she is the first face that recruits and parents see when they get on campus. And so uh, there have been many, 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 many times where I'm someplace and I can hear her loud, excited voice say, you know, you know, welcome or whatever, you know, hi. And that sort of thing. And it's something that you definitely hear from, you know, I don't know, football field away. Uh, So she's very, very welcoming. She's one of those that's, you know, is, running here and there doing you she's doing a lot of stuff all over the place definitely works very very hard as i mentioned you know i i remember when she was a student kind of helping out 
And mm-hmm. she stuck out because just how hard she was working, all the different things she did. She also worked at Gunner Brewer and, you know, Gunner Brewer, he, anybody who's working underneath Gunner Brewer is going to be working a lot and some people don't last. And she did. And I, I think that kind of just tells you what her work ethic and her desire to do well is, is like, um, and yeah, I mean, I think she's, she fits perfect for the job and the fact that she went to North Carolina, yeah. loves North Carolina, loves sports, that that's very evident just kind of talking to her and i think that's what you want from the person who has that position yeah you gotta have a passion for it and a passion you have to enjoy carolina football want to help carolina football and also have a passion for people and and almost get energy from interacting with people in that kind of role she also talked about working under annie martin who's now annie hansen who now is one of the premier kind of directors of recruiting i think she's an assistant athletic director in a similar role um at USC under Lincoln Riley. And we, we both, uh, you know, she was at UNC when we were covering recruiting as well. Uh, it's an important role for UNC and she does more than just plan visits. That, that's a huge role planning on campus events. I mean, that, that stuff takes days and weeks to plan, uh, you know, a visit weekend. Um, but every day they're reaching out to recruits and, and she has a huge role along with Patrick and all their support staff in the recruitment for UNC. All right. Good stuff. Absolutely. Okay, moving right along. <laughs> okay, so uh, you want to talk about transfer portal? You just want to get yeah. into it? So the May first was the last. Was that right? May first. Well, was May, the last day? so so you had you had to be in you have yeah. to be in the portal May first in order to be eligible to play this season. Yeah. I had gotten I, I I had I guess um gotten that wrong um, when I spoke to a couple of people um on the message board. So I wanted to be clear. I did you know um yeah. So that's the rule. And it's the same for basketball because UNC had a basketball player enter like the night of as well, which is in yeah, basketball. I don't know. I don't know anything about foosball. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So yeah. What's your question? Well, um, I just wanted to get your thoughts. I mean, I think the main thing was, I, I think for me, like a lot of other people kind of cool, just kind of, you know, floating along, you know, the uh, Jameer Gibbs thing to Alabama was a little, didn't feel great, but you kind of just kind of ignore it. Um, but then I guess it was over the weekend or maybe it was during the draft, the Jordan Addison stuff kind of made me like, I don't know. It was a little different for me because the fact that it, it clearly looks like USC went to, you know, a play, you know, a good player at Pitt, you know, a uh, good wide receiver at Pitt. And I mean, not, not just good. He was the, he was the first the team all ICC. Winner. Was he Blinkoff too? He was either a finalist or he won the award. Yeah. So, yeah. so, arguably the top wide receiver in the nation and they basically bought him and well he hasn't committed yet right yeah i don't know maybe he has not committed yet um but um all signs indicate he's going to transfer yeah there's just a lot of yeah there's a lot of smoke there the the issue is tampering and honestly i have not (laughs) this was kind of thrown on me by don in the last couple of minutes but um pat narduzzi so there's an issue of tampering like before he's in the transfer portal of other schools and USC here, reaching out, making deals, talking to him, talking to his people, offering NIL deals. And that's illegal to tampering because you can't do it while they're still a member of the other team. Once they enter the portal, it's a fair game. And so I believe Pat Narduzzi like called Lincoln Riley and complained and, and you know, called him out for that. And so, uh, I definitely need to read it more about this, but it's a larger issue of that we've talked about. This is the wild west now. Yeah. 
you can go anywhere, the one-time transfer rule, and the NIL money is crazy. I was actually hanging out with a buddy yesterday, and, you know, what's stopping a big donor from being, hey, come to my kid's birthday party, and I'll give you, you know, $500,000. Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's anything illegal about that. You're providing a service, now maybe 30 minutes, and but the money can be whatever they want to give that they think is works within the capitalistic system. Um, you're providing a service, you know, you can't just directly give them money though. I'm sure that happens all the time, but that combined NIL is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. The deals are getting bigger. They're figuring out loopholes and, you know, you see it happen and it's now influencing players decisions with where they commit to and influencing where they transfer to. And it certainly helped UNC in basketball. I think, I think people are seeing the advantage of NIL for basketball at UNC and it's helping, helping some schools for football for sure where these donors can promise big deals in return for the football player to commit or to transfer. Yeah. And it's, I, my, I guess my fear is, is that it ruins the game. I mean, cause ultimately, I mean, I'm sure you're just like me. I mean, you, we do this because we love college football and I'm sure you love college sports. And it just, if it comes down to where only like, I don't know, half a dozen teams are really like viable. Like I get it. Like, I mean, there are certain teams that, they're always going to compete for national championships, but there, there is, um, I don't know. It just feels like it just widens that gap between the haves and the have nots. And it just feels, it just feels, it doesn't feel right that, that you, that Southern Cal was able to pull a, a great player off a of pitch roster. Yeah. And, you know, especially cause I feel like on the football level, UNC is kind of on that same level as Pitt, you know? And so if it could happen to Pitt, it could definitely happen to UNC. Not that I'm necessarily looking out for UNC, but I'm just saying um, now there, there was something that came out the other day about a task force being put together to, to try to, to, I guess, reel in these boosters who are getting involved. I just don't know if there's anything they can really do because, you know, the Supreme court kind of ruled on some of this stuff and it's going to make it very difficult to combat it. And I mean, what this comes down to, and this has always been the issue with college football for the past 20 or more years is that this is a professional game, whether we like it or not. And they're trying to fit it within a scholastic box. And it's just, it's just not possible. And so no matter what, we're always going to have problems and it just kind of sucks. Yeah. I mean, money drives everything like always in all aspects of life. And so if you have a big donor or a a good NIL system, then you're going to have some advantages. And like you said, it's going to make the, rich, richer, um, you can get better players. You get, and USC's high profile, yeah. Alabama, Georgia, I mean, SEC, you're a little bit more high profile than, than say the uh, Big 12 or the Pac-12 or whatever. Um, so teams need to figure out NIL stuff. It's the real deal now. You're seeing how it impacts transfers and impacts um, uh, commitments. I think, I mean... <sighs> I don't know. At the highest level of recruits and transfers is a big deal, but like Corey Gaynor, Noah Taylor, like that didn't ha- have an impact. Yeah. I don't. I don't think those guys can make a lot of money in the in the NIL. Um, I, I think it only it only impacts like the biggest high profile yes offensive players or stud defensive player. Oh, absolutely. Because I because I get asked all the time, what do you think NIL is affecting things with North Carolina? And really, if you're looking at the guys that North Carolina is recruiting right now, Noah Rogers. Beyond that, I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody. Um, most of their guys, they're recruiting like Nolan McConnell right now is I don't 
maybe I'm misreading this completely, but I don't see him as a guy that chose North Carolina because he was going to get more money yeah. from UNC I, boosters I, over UVA. I just don't think football itself provides. Yeah. I, I think basketball. Basketball is different. Football is a helmet sport. I mean, and yeah. the player, the, only the highest profile players, like a Josh Downs or Sam Howe, really, mm-hmm. is probably the only two players that can make any sort of significant money. Um, significant money. Now, some players can do little local deals here and there. Yeah. Brian Anderson did some with a tire company. Yeah, I don't know how much these deals are going for either. Maybe it's just they're getting a discount on their own services. But I mean, I know Sam Howell made a significant amount of money. Um, you know, Bryce Young at Alabama. Um, and you know, Kenny Pickett at Pitt, the quarterback for USC. Like those high profile, like a Reggie Bush could have made tons. Yeah. Uh, who was this quarterback? Um, um, Matt Leinart. Matt Leinart, you know, Vince but, Young. But no, it's crazy. Those. Think about guys like um, Tate Martell. Like, I know he was a complete bust, but coming out of high school, mm-hmm. like, he would have made a ton. Where did he go money. first? He Well, he committed to Texas A&M and then ended up, we ended up Ohio State. Is yeah. that where he signed? Yeah, I don't know. And then he went to Miami. And then, and then he went to know. Miami, yeah. But, yeah, like, think so. about uh, Johnny Manziel. I mean, these guys made money. I mean, yeah. guys, I mean, he knowingly, I mean, he's committed to making money and it's always going to be there now. It's just more public. What, so, um, before we go to the next topic, what do you think, you're based off this NIL stuff, what do you think college football looks like, barring some sort of crazy change that we're not expecting? What do you think college football looks like five, ten years? Um, I'm just really throwing this on raw. So. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know what you're asking for, but I mean, I think there's going to be some payment where... Like, do you think, all right, do you think... Because the way I'm thinking is that I think certain schools like Southern Cal, for example, becomes a power. And Texas, because of their money, becomes a power. Texas is that A&M. what you're asking? Is that what you're asking? Well, like, just, just like – because I, I feel like what will happen is, is that there will be like probably like, I don't know, six to ten programs that will be power programs. But and it, they basically get all the top kids. But isn't that how it already is? There's only, there's only six teams that can win the championship. Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, uh, Oregon. I well, mean, Oregon hasn't, yeah, but yeah, yeah but no, they play. I mean, they played for a title, and um, and maybe then and maybe Texas, USC, like there's there's really football. There's only about four or five schools every year that can win a title. Yeah, maybe six true. to eight. Um, you know, occasionally you get like Michigan State was in the in the Final Four. Um, you had Cincinnati in the Final Four, so. Uh, so maybe maybe it's just it just makes the dreams of like a Cincinnati. It makes that even less likely. Yeah, I think because recruiting allows the biggest schools to keep landing talent, unlike the NFL, where there's a draft and it's, yeah. it's there's more parity. Um, basketball, on the other hand, you know, I think UNC you got bench players, Puff Johnson signing NL deals. There's there's a lot of money for UNC basketball just because of how big it is nationally. Whereas I think UNC football. It's more of a regional sport. Uh, you don't have UNC football fans in California or in England or across the country. It's more, well, you know, even, in, in, in the area. Even like, you know, I always ask recruits when I, when I first interview them in-state, asking you, what, what school do you, you grow up rooting for? And, and so many of them, and there, there, are definitely, there are definitely some who say North Carolina football, you know, but so many of them say – North Carolina just for basketball. Then I kind of sort of started to watch the football, but you know, UNC yeah, I mean, people love UNC basketball. I don't know how, I mean, obviously this is not breaking news here, but like growing up in high school, like girl, I mean, first of all, tons of guys love UNC basketball, but tons of the girls I was friends with in high school love Carolina basketball. They did not love Carolina football. 
there's not that same same fan base. Now there's a diehard fan base. They're probably listening to this podcast right now that love UNC football, uh, that are huge Carolina football fans, but it's just not as widespread across the state um, and across the country, man. UNC basketball, just like Duke and Kentucky and Kansas are national brands, just like Alabama, Georgia is in football. So there's more money made on the NL side for basketball. Yeah, so that's what the the interesting thing with UNC is, is that it's going to benefit tremendously basketball-wise, but I think it's going to be hurt football-wise. Yeah, I think there's still some allure with the Crown Blue and the Jordan brand. And if you can get some studs in here, I mean, there's a lot of money. There's a lot of big-time donors that love Crown football. They can kind of facilitate that. And that's kind of what – aren't we doing that thing with Heels for Life and everything where different ways to – different collectives? All right, anyway. Um, all right, next topic, Don. Last topic. You ready? Yes, I am ready. Okay, the NFL draft. Let me pull yeah. up. So how much, how much, what was your viewing habits with this draft? Great question. I watched the whole first round. Okay. And that is the only, that's the only thing I watched. Um, now I monitored because for my job, I, I would take my phone all the time was, you know, I get the, I mean, I don't, little, little, uh, look behind the curtain. I have Twitter alerts turned on for everything. Mm-hmm. So anything that happens, UNC news, I can see that immediately if it's tweeted out. So I watched it because uh, Greg had something to do Thursday night. So I was kind of in charge of, of the first night. If Sam got drafted, he did not get drafted. Um, mm-hmm. And that, and that's the only, I love, I love the first round, but mm-hmm. then after that, it's kind of like, you know, all the big names are kind of gone. You're kind of just waiting for UNC players or a quarterback here and there. I mean, that's a long Friday and Saturday. If you watch the whole draft, what about you? So I used to be a huge, huge, huge draft junkie, like watch it all you know, do research, all that weird stuff. Um, but this time, so um, my daughter has basketball workouts at night and I go to that. And so I had it on uh, my tablet. So I was watching it and I think there was something else on too. Maybe the Phillies were on. So I was kind of flipping back and forth, uh, but I definitely was monitoring where guys were going. I always had um, the tracker up um, mm-hmm. from NFL.com. Just when the, when the picks are being updated, just kind of see, Cause really, if you think about it, that's all that matters. I mean, unless, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't care too much for the analysis too much. Um, I, I like, I'm, you're not as big an NFL fan. I think as I am. Um, Cause I like to fall NFL and fancy football. And so knowing where players go, I enjoy yeah. that. I, I actually listen to a lot of draft podcasts the Did week you? up just to kind of get the names going. Um, mm-hmm. And also, and this week as well. But um, is it cool for you to see these players that you covered when they're 16, 17, finally get drafted and yeah and how the yeah. dreams come true yeah and um what was really kind of cool was um so i know um uh Ikiwano's, uh coach um who's now coaching at in um south carolina now um really well so we're fa- facebook friends and so he actually was able to go to the uh him and actually um i think jupiter um jupiter wilson I heard that name um, my coach, life. coach at uh, he, he played at Carolina also. I think they both went to um, uh, the the draft. So, um, Iguano's coach had a bunch of photos from like behind the scenes, like when they're sitting backstage in the green room and everything like that. And that was really really cool. But yeah, I mean, no, it's definitely because there's there's so many like there's a lot of moments for me. Like I'm obviously watching to see when when Sam gets drafted, but there's a lot of guys like oh I remember that guy sort of yeah. thing like i remember when unc recruited that guy so there was a lot of that happening too that was pretty cool hey so icky Aquano, who who actually obviously went to nc state from charlotte providence high school i believe Providence day 
of his day school. What happened with, because his recruitment, I'm looking at his profile right now. He was a three-star recruit, uh, number 612 in the nation. So kind of a mid-level three-star, 36-ranked guard, number 26 player in the state of North Carolina, goes number six overall. What happened between him and UNC? Because this guy, I mean, talk about a dime in the rough. You know, not obviously was a big guy and a, but not, I mean, 26 in North Carolina, like UNC sometimes doesn't even touch those players. Yeah. So the crazy thing was, was he has a, I believe the twin brother who was like, I think like a four-star linebacker and I can't remember where his brother went, but everybody wanted him. There was other, you know, province day always has this where they go through certain years and they have like five guys all of a sudden, like they're going through that right now or about to. And, um, you know, uh, Jacoby Cowan, you know, when he was being recruited, there was a bunch of guys, you know, um, Mm -hmm. but anyway, so they always had these spurts, but um, yeah, so there was other kids on that team and Icky was one that not many schools recruited. And like I said, his, his twin brother was, was more heavily recruited. UNC offered his twin brother, did not offer Icky and NC state did. And, you know, yeah, the rest top, is kind of history. Top offensive tackle in the country and drafted there, Iki Kwanu. Um, that's just crazy. It shows you, you know, you you try to project project offensive linemen. It's the hardest position to project in recruiting, um, and then it's all about development. Um, if you got a guy with the right tools, the right mentality, who can grow and who has the athletic ability, which sometimes you can see at a young age, um, and then you add the size, you can can formulate a really good player. Uh, okay, well, let's go through you and quickly go through as we wrap up here. Let's go through UNC's draft. Um, Joshua Zudu was select was the first UNC player selected, number 67 overall in the third round by the Giants. And then on Saturday, so that was Friday. Did you expect him to be the first one? No, I expected Sam to be the first one. Okay. <laughs> of course. And then Sam Howe went the first, uh, the first pick in the fifth round on Saturday. After the whole fourth round, Saturday in the fifth round, number 144 overall to the Washington Commanders, where he'll, he'll uh, be on the same team as Dami Brown and Cole Holcomb. Then a couple dra- couple picks later, Ty Chandler, number 169 overall to um, the Minnesota Vikings. And then Marcus McKeithen was the last and fourth player taken from the Tar Heels. Uh, he went one a couple picks later, 163 to the Giants as well. The Giants pick two UNC yeah. guards, UNC guards. Yeah. And then, um, so, so, so obviously the story here, look, Sam, Sam Howe dropped a lot. He dropped, I, I think I saw some number where almost like 100 picks below his Vegas projection. Um, mm-hmm. you know, you, you can, there's like these, you know, obviously Vegas projects, you can pick over under where they pick. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know why. I think there's some, what, what do you, what do you, why do you think he dropped? I mean, what I, mean I, I mean, I don't know, but I mean, there's stuff out there about being not being good in interviews, stuff out there about not being good on the whiteboard. Um, you know, one of the things that kind of popped my mind that I was wondering is, is you know, the offense that, that he plays in is the air raid offense. It's not an offense. Yes, I understand. There are certain elements that pro offices have have adapted into their playbooks, but it's still not an offense that has a whole lot of respect mm-hmm. um you know and so i want and, and some of it is because it, it does have it does make it easier for the quarterbacks the quarterback can go quicker and the pro game they 
you're playing against more sophisticated defenses. So you have to have sophisticated offenses. And so there's concerns about that. Um, and I think really what it comes down to, and this has always been the case with Sam, is that he's an intangible guy. Like even in high school, I mean, he didn't have, you know, he wasn't the tallest, didn't have like the strongest arm, didn't have the most accurate arm, all this sort of stuff. But he was more of a guy that you give him the ball, he makes things happen. You know, he's not the greatest runner, but he is such an effective runner, which is so weird to say, because I know I'm kind of contradicting myself, but that's just kind of Sam is, is like, I guess you kind of look at him, you look at his tools, but he just outperforms those things. So for me, I was like, all right, if, if a, if a team falls in love with his intangibles, he'll, he'll be a first round pick. If not, then, you know, he won't, I didn't expect it to be all the way into the fifth round, Yeah, but you know, it was kind of, it was almost kind of crazy. It was like watching a car wreck, to be honest. Yeah. And he had, what do you oh, think? <laughs> and it, yeah, he had that house rented out with all the family there. UNC sent a social media guy there. So the guy, that guy must've been there Thursday, all Friday, the Friday he got way. paid overtime. He got overtime. <laughs> and, uh, he's on salary. <laughs> um, the Friday weight had to be kind of, yeah, I mean, that's because you I you expected him to be a second, third round pick after not going. I mean, we were prepared for him to go 32nd overall to Detroit. That's kind of mm-hmm. where we thought, you know, if he went first round, obviously he didn't. That's where he would go on. So we were like, all right, definitely second round, third round. But in the, the whole night just waiting for your name and then didn't go. And then Saturday, you wait through a whole nother round. Um, I think the offensive thing is is could be true. I don't think it's a knock on Longo's offense. I think it's it's just a simple offense. It's easy to learn, which works well for Car- for Carolina and for you and for college football players to come in. It's quick. Mm-hmm. It's simple. It's effective. I mean, mm-hmm. Sam killed it. Look how productive him and his wide receivers are. You don't have as mm-hmm. much time in college to work and to learn. So a simple, effective, quick offense um, where the read, you know, is you know, one two reads and, and and you throw it is um, it works well in college and obviously it's not preferred. In the pros that might have hurt him. Uh, I think his height hurt him. Um, I think there was just a it was a down group of quarterbacks overall. You know, the, the, it was the I think since 1997 it was the last time a quarterback went that late. Kenny Pickett, number 20, I want to say, to the Steelers, and then another one didn't go. I think Malik Willis went later on, and then the Panthers got um, Matt Corral, and there was. A couple other quarterbacks drafted. I think the Falcons drafted the Cincinnati guy. And um, so I think it just was a it was a bad quarterback class combined with not many quarterback, not many um, teams had needs. I mean, you got Tom Brady hanging around. You got Matt Ryan going to the Colts. You got uh, Goff still with the Lions. You've got um, Wentz messing around with the Commanders still. You know, the Panthers, they already have a quarterback, but was there anybody on the board that was going to be better than him? So I think that that, that issue uh, pushed him back, but I was, I was very surprised. Anything so, else on Sam? Yeah. So I, I think I mean I think he's an NFL quarterback. I think he's gonna have a huge chip on his shoulder, and I think if he gives a chance, I think he's got a great arm, and I think you know maybe a year or two behind someone, he'll figure out their offense, and I think he'll yeah. And this could end up being the best thing for him, gives him time, because I think a lot of times. A lot of these quarterbacks, they come out and they have a lot of talent, but they're not ready yet. And they get mm-hmm. thrown to the wolves and Matter. it kind of ruins them. Yeah. This will give them a chance to kind of, you know, ease in. Um, the one the one other topic before we we close this out, um, Mac Brown, I thought was kind of interesting because it, it kind of stuck with me during the press conference. And then uh, for whatever reason, and then watching this free fall, it, I kept on thinking about it. 
he said, and Mac Brown is very, very, very media savvy. And I always pay attention to what he says. And I always try to figure out why he says certain things, because I feel like everything has a purpose, particularly during his opening monologue. All right. Right. And I'm delivering one right now. Anyway, he said that he he always tells his guys not to throw a party, which because you just don't know. And, And he kept on harping on the fact that the draft is unpredictable. I wonder if Mac Brown had an idea that this was this could potentially happen. Because he has plenty of connections who kind of give him a heads up. Hey, look, he, Sam, you know, from what we're hearing, Sam's not going to get picked, at, you know, in the first round, or it's probably going to be later than what you guys expect. Do you? Uh, am I just fishing well, I, here? I think if you're a borderline, if you don't know where you're going to go, you're not going to be a first round pick. I want to throw. It's like the guys that go to the draft in the city, Vegas, mm-hmm. and don't get picked the first day. Then they're, the cameras on. Remember Aaron Rodgers? I mean, he got picked yeah. in the first round, but. They don't, they don't show them anymore. They don't do that as much because Malik Willis yeah. was there. He can pick the second round, I think. So, yeah, I think that makes sense. So maybe he did have clue, clue into that. But Sam had plenty of people at his house. Um, well, Trayvon. Sam didn't take, the, didn't take the advice. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm sure the party was bigger on Friday and Saturday than it was. Um, has has girlfriend by him as well. Um, Azudu, I think Azudu's versatile. He went to the Giants. I think Ty Chandler will have a chance with the Vikings. Marcus McKeithen, you know, he's a little slow and, and big. He might have a trouble making a roster spot, but they did draft him pretty high. And then we'll go through the undrafted free agents, get out of here, because I think there's some value there. Um, Jeremiah Gimmel, a guy that I think some people projected would be drafted, maybe it's beginning, maybe injuring, entering the 2021 season. He had an injury through the process. 49ers for him. Tamon Fox with the Giants. Jordan Tucker with the Steelers, Garrett Walson to the 49ers, Tyler McMichael, who uh, opted out of the bowl game, yeah. uh, signed with the Bucks, Tampa Bay Bucks, and then Grayson Atkins actually DM'd with him. He is going to uh, the Colts for a workout, uh, a mini camp invite Good. workout. So he's not signed yet, but he's trying to get onto a roster heading into uh, training camp. Yeah. All right. Um, I think some of that, if you look at it, you know, it's measurables. You know, McKeithen and um, his video have measurables, Mom Fox, uh, Gimmel, don't. And I think that's really big in the NFL, which is why 24-7 sports values measurables when it comes to their rankings because they're trying to project NFL. I, I think Gimmel, just his approach, how smart he is, could have a chance as a backup linebacker and a special teams guy. Um, he is of those guys. He might have the best chance of making a roster. Um, and linebackers aren't as valued anymore like they used to be. Mm-hmm. It's just a different game. All right, Don, anything else? Uh, I just hope that you have a wonderful day. We covered you a have, lot. We covered a lot of real estate. You made my there. day brighter, <laughs> and I hope you continue to do that. Yep. Any more commitments coming? Not that I know of. Okay. But by the time you listen, this could be another. I don't know. There you go. All right, guys, appreciate you listening. Hopefully you enjoyed the interview with Alex White. We want to thank Alex White. Go back to listen to the Patrick Suttis interview. If you missed that from two weeks ago, and we will um, check you next time. Appreciate Johnny T-shirt, johnnytshirt.com. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the Inside Carolina podcasts.
What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-average do average 29 and 11. God, shit. what'd it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Four the podcast so you don't miss a thing.